Welcome to An Examined Education, a podcast recorded at the Cambridge School, a Christian classical school in San Diego, California, where we examine an education worth pursuing. On today's bonus episode, you'll hear from Jean Kim, the founder and head of school at the Cambridge School. She's addressing a group of families new to the school at our 2019 New Parent Orientation. She's an impressive communicator with a compelling vision for education. It's always a treat to hear her talk about the school. And be sure to tune in to episode three, where Jeff and I sit down with Jean to have a follow-up conversation about where the school started and where she hopes that it's headed decades from now. For more information about the school or anything you hear in this episode, check out the show notes, interact with us on social media at An Examined Education, and check out our website, cambridgeclassical.org. Enjoy the show. I just want to take a moment to welcome you all again. Thank you so much for joining us here as New Cambridge families. We're so thrilled that you're here and ready to jump in on this adventure. I know the adventure is just about to begin, but in some ways you've been on an adventure for a while already as you've gone through the admissions process and done all the searching and researching and things that you need to do in order to be here tonight. I really want to commend you as well for your intentionality. We really appreciate the fact that we have parents at the school who are thoughtful and intentional about their educational choices for their kids, and you've proven yourselves to be just that. You take this pursuit of wisdom and virtue for your kids seriously. You've done hard work to research to be here, and we're really grateful. And so our hope is that you will be encouraged, not just today, not just the first day of school, but we hope that every day that you're at Cambridge, you'll be encouraged that you really did make the right decision, that this educational choice that you've made is really um, worthwhile. Because if you didn't have a name for the more that you were looking for in education, you have it now, and it's called Cambridge. <laughs> and so we're glad to be your guides as you begin this journey with your kids in terms of teaching them how to think well and to love rightly and to live wisely for the glory of God and the good of neighbor. Tonight, our goal is to help you get to know the school in a different way than you've gotten to know it before in the past. We hope that summer academies have been helpful, the ice cream social has been helpful, and your Griffin buddies hopefully have been helpful in the process of getting ready for school. But we also wanted to invite you into the story of Cambridge. A lot of you are coming to the school not knowing what's come before it, so we wanted to invite you into the story by sharing about our humble beginnings and what prompted me, the crazy lady, to even start this thing and all of that. So we're going to be sharing that story for you sharing some of the cultural and logistical things that will help you have a smooth transition to Cambridge. Everyone loves a great story, and the Cambridge story is a really good one. And so I want to make sure that um, we have time to get to that. But Once upon a time, one great recession and many moons ago, in the year of our Lord 2006, a small school was birthed in a very sleepy corner of San Diego called Ranches Panasquitos, opening with just nine children and a few brave families who were seeking a different kind of education for their children that would prepare them to face the coming darkness and moral confusion and chaos of life in the early 21st century and prepare them to flourish in spite of it by bearing witness to the goodness and the truth and the beauty beauty of a classical Christian education, this little school, this little school became the hope of a community who were seeking to form young adults who would go forth as wise and virtuous people in an age that celebrates foolishness and vice, deep people in an age of trivial pursuits, and people who are well-formed intellectually and spiritually in a sea of malformed hearts, minds, and souls, people who are deeply and gloriously human and humane, made in the image of God in an age that seeks to dehumanize interactions and relationships. 
And so by God's grace, this group has now grown into a full junior kindergarten through 12th grade school at long last, with hundreds of students roaming its halls and our second graduating class already launched into the big wide world with lots of merit scholarships under their belts and things like that. But our young school, even more exciting than that, I mean, they have won lots of regional accolades and national accolades, far more than you would think for a school of our size and age. So not only are they forming really wonderful habits of mind and habits of soul, and not only do we really love the kinds of young adults that they're becoming, it's translated into great achievement as well as a byproduct of our education and not the goal. And so you have from national ranking, nationally ranked debate teams or nationally ranked robotics teams where they won first place, um, both in the junior high, the middle school, and high school level this year in Southern California and went on to compete in the world championships. That's twice in a row now that we've taken first place and gone to the world championships. Um, whether it's that or Tournament of Champions or other awards that are both humanities and science, it's been pretty amazing what our students have been able to accomplish. And like we said, that is not our goal. It's not our only goal to have lots of accolades and a high SAT score and lots of good college admissions and great scholarships, those are byproducts of a great education. Our goals are to cultivate wisdom and virtue. And if you do that well, when if you teach them to read well, to write well, to think well, uh, by, as a byproduct of those things, they usually do well on standardized tests and in that whole college admissions process. So classical schools tend to be outliers in the academic world um, in terms of their performance on things. We tend to be outliers amongst outliers. Our performance in all those regards is really um, been exceptional. And I think our remarkable results have really attracted remarkable investment as well. I don't know if you are aware, but we just completed our first capital campaign of $4 million and this past December. And that allowed us to purchase this building, the campus that we're in, which was really exciting after being nomads for 10 years and having to pack up all of our desks and chairs and take things off the wall every single Friday and every put it back up on every single Monday. So 10 years of doing that, we were so happy to have a home to call our own. And so that first capital campaign allowed us to purchase this building, renovate the inside so that we could have a gym and a stage and we could add some classrooms and renovate it to maximize space. And then just this past June, we were able to add six modular classrooms for our upper school and two additional bathrooms as well. So it was just a huge project to get us to the point where we are, you know, we're bursting out of the seams, which is great news and it's a good problem to have, but it's wonderful to finally have some extra space space um, that we needed as well. In addition to that, it was really exciting to know, it's exciting to tell you that we have a group of philanthropists who love the mission and vision of the school so much that even though they have no children or grandchildren here at all, no vested interest in the school whatsoever, and they don't even live in San Diego most of the year, um, they have come to love the school and what we're doing and see it as so exceptional that they were willing to commit a very, very large gift um, to us in order to purchase a future campus. They saw that we we're running out of space. They saw that what we're doing is exceptional, and they said, you need a home. And so we want to make this available to you to purchase a new campus. So we've been on the hunt. Don't worry, we're not going too far. We're looking at something really within a five-mile radius, if at all possible. So um, we're not going to be going too far. And we don't have any news to share with you yet, but I thought you would be encouraged to know. That doesn't usually happen with small schools and K-12 K to 12 schools or day schools, even. It's the kind of thing that just doesn't happen, that people 
people who aren't related to the school in some way see value in it and see it as a public good. And so that's another really exciting thing that's been happening and is um, a remarkable sign of investment. And another sign of investment that's happened over the past year that we get to share with you as new parents is that we just launched our first or our, we just launched an endowment. Um, and so we're really excited about that. You may not be familiar with endowments, but it's just a way to help the school sustain excellence in perpetuity throughout the future. And so we received a million dollar gift to start that endowment. And it's very rare for schools of our size and age to have endowments. So this is super exciting that we have this endowment launched. We're in the middle of raising $3 million on top of that. And when we raise the $3 million, the family foundation that gave us the initial gift will match the last um, another million dollars for a total corpus of $5 million to start with. So this is huge news in the life of a small school. And again, I hope it would encourage you that something is going on here that is good and people recognize it from all corners of the country, not even just here. It's schools that are visiting us and asking us, what's your model? How are you doing this? We've heard so much about you. So just you should be encouraged that you're in a good place because clearly God is doing something really amazing here in and through this small school. So I wanted to take you back, now that that's all the exciting stuff that's happening right now, how did we get here? We weren't always this big. Once upon a time, the whole group that's in the audience today was bigger than our entire student body and parents combined. So this is a new day for Cambridge that, you know, where this is a third of three orientations that we've had this summer, and that we have a crowd that's even bigger than the entire student body was in those first years of school. So we're just going to go back in time and try to remember our humble beginning because they were very, very humble beginnings. Um, the Bible often reminds us that we are very forgetful people. And because of that forgetfulness, institutions, they tend to apostasy really easily. People don't remember why schools were founded or why the organization exists or what has happened. And so as the school gets bigger and grows larger and gets older and more settled, I think it's really important that we don't forget the story of our very humble beginnings. That was only 13 years ago in 2006. And so we're going to take some time tonight to wonder yet again at God's amazing faithfulness in the Cambridge story. Because if you really, if you take the long view of things, you've only missed like the first little chapter in a very long story or the first opening scenes of a movie that's just begun. You're very much a part of this on the ground floor. And I just want you to know what, you've, what has come before you so that you can be grateful and appreciate all that is here now. And you can roll up your sleeves and get really excited about stuff stepping into and writing the future stories and chapters of Cambridge. Starting a school was not my dream or goal. It's not like somebody wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I want to start a school. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Cambridge is really here because necessity was the mother of invention, right? Um, and God does not despise humble beginnings. And that's our story. God is in the business of doing what seems impossible to us and making it possible through him. And he does it through unlikely people in unlikely ways. So at the end of the day, he gets all the glory for what um, has happened happened here. And I think I was just the crazy lady who was like, yes, I'm called. I feel passionate. I'm foolish enough and excited enough, obedient enough to go ahead and start this story. So like all of you, you know, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, I had little children and I was looking for a good school for my own kids. And like many of you, I was doing research on public school, private school, charter schools, home schools. You know, I was looking at every possible option out there, Christian and secular and all of that. And I found myself really 
really frustrated because I found that there were a lot of schools felt like either or options to me. So either you go to a school that's like Christian and nurturing and wonderful, but academically you're like, ooh, this is super mediocre. I'm not excited about that in terms of the schooling and the education. Or you go to schools that are like, raw, we're going to get you to Harvard and Stanford and Yale, but this is going to be a soul crushing process. And I thought, ooh, like I don't really like either options. Is there something that really allows you to both have academic rigor and vigor, but also is spiritually robust? And I thought, surely someone must have done this somewhere along the way in history. And so that's what I was looking for, and I couldn't find it. And the more research I did, I came across classical Christian education. And as I read about it, I don't know if you've had the same experience, but it was like, Eureka, this is it. This is exactly what I have been looking for this entire time. And I was an educator. I mean, I taught high school. I went to a great prep school. I went to Yale. I'd had great educational experiences, a marquee educational experiences. And yet I felt like something was missing at all of those experiences, like something was fragmented something was just not there. And when I came across this, it was like T.S. Eliot says so beautifully that you, after all your wandering, you come home and know it for the first time. And that's exactly what classical education was for me. As I found out about it, I thought, this is what I want for my kids. Where is the nearest school? And I was so excited when I found out about it. The only bad thing about it, the bad news was there were hundreds of classical Christian schools around the country, but none in San Diego at the time that I was looking. So it was a choice of, do we move to a place where there is a classical school? My husband was, no, we love San Diego. We just got here. We're not moving. Um, and he said, well, should we homeschool classically? And he's like, have fun. I have to work. So you can handle homeschooling by yourself if you'd like to. And I just didn't feel called to homeschooling because the more I read about this, it lit a fire in my soul. And I thought, this is so good. I have been a teacher. I know what it looks like on the other end, not as a parent, but as a teacher. And this is so good. So really, the, the impetus to start the school wasn't because it was so bad out there and everything was so horrible. It really was, the more I learned about this, I caught glimpses of how good education could be and should be and would be. And the more and more excited I got, I thought, I can't keep this just to myself. I could do it just for my own kids and homeschool, but I really felt called that this is so good that it needs to be a blessing, not just for my own kids, but other people and the community at large. And so I took on this crazy thought of like, okay, maybe we should start a school. Like who does that? <laughs> and so um, at that point, I started trying to network with people and ask them, hey, do you know anything about classical Christian education? Talk to a few pastors and other people who had experiences with family members who'd gone to schools like this. And so eventually I got connected to the headmaster of another school in Florida. And Russ actually said, here, call this guy. He started a school. Maybe he can help you. And so I called this headmaster. And in our first conversation, five minutes in, he's like, stop take the phone. I want you to put it to your forehead and I'm going to perform an exorcism on you right now over the phone. I was like, this is really weird. Okay. <laughs> um, and he said, okay, in the first five minutes I've been talking to you, lady, you just told me that you have three kids who are four and under, that you have no money, that you have no place to be, that you're in coastal close San Diego, super highly expensive and highly regulated place to start a school. You have no church support. You're trying to do it as an independent school. Your husband travels 150 days out of the year, rendering you pretty much a single mother with three kids under the age of four. He's like, don't 
do it. Run. It's like run the other direction. Don't do it. This will kill you. Um, and so we had this long conversation and he really, I have to thank him. You know, it was a reality check. He was trying to do it for my own good, but I was, I'm a stubborn soul. And at the end of the day, I was like, nope, I know you're trying to discourage me and it's probably for my own good. And I probably will regret this 20 years from now or something, but I really feel passionately called to start a school and to see something like this exist here in San Diego. And so thus began the crazy story of us beginning. I found seven families um, who wanted to invest in this and try. They're like, hmm, it's just junior kindergarten or kindergarten or first grade. If it goes, you know, if all falls apart, at least they're still young and we can switch gears. So they were willing to come and try this with me that first year. So we launched the school just with nine kids, seven families, two of them were mine, two kids. And we started with junior kindergarten, kindergarten, and first grade. And then we said, you know what, if we're going to get to high school, I was a high school teacher before, so I knew what it looked like on that end. It said, in order to do what we want to do as a classical school, you better start young and build it up all the way. That's the only way the kids are going to graduate being able to do everything I wanted them to do. Because as a high school teacher, I saw that that I couldn't do anything with high school kids because by that point, K through eighth, they had had poor preparation and I just had to do a lot of remedial work and maybe a little of what I wanted. And so we reverse engineered the whole thing. We began with the end in mind, said this is what we want it to look like. And these are all like, instead of planning 12K12, we plan 12K. And this is what we want and what do we have to do every year underneath that in order to do it. So with artisanal care, every single year, we added one grade because I only knew... I could only bite off so much and do it with excellence. So we added one grade, really worked the curriculum, figured it out, and then, you know, refined along the way and added one more grade, one more grade every single year. Every year, the vinyl sign in the parking lot would say, now enrolling K through two. It's like, what kind of school serves K through two? And then it'd be like, ooh, now enrolling K through four. And the day that we got the banner, the vinyl banner that says now enrolling K through 12, I mean, you should have just seen me. I sat in my car cried like a baby. It had been a really long journey to get to K through 12. And launching that first senior class off to college was the most significant milestone of this entire thing. Because there was this thing I had dreamed about, and it had felt like a bad blind date the whole time. It's like, wow, it sounds so good. It sounds too good to be true. It sounds so good. But as I saw it built year after year after year after year, and as I saw it take shape in the lives of the students, I just was amazed at what God had done. Um, And really, by the time we graduated those kids, I thought, this is amazing. It's way better than what I thought it would be when I started. It was really, really hard. And it's one of those things where I think when you start something risky, like starting a new business or moving or getting married or having children, God in his infinite mercy, he only lets you see so far down the road. Because if you knew the puddle of tears that you would cry, if you knew all the twists and turns in that journey, if you knew how hard it would be, you probably wouldn't do it, right? The smart thing would be just run in the other direction, run, do something safe. And that's what this was like. It was just, you know, enough light for the path, just enough for my feet to go in front of me and take that next step, next step of faith and the next step of like, okay, let's figure this out. Okay, let's keep doing it. And so we're like a cat better than nine lives. We should have died probably a hundred times over in the past 14 years, but by God's grace, we are still here. And what has been created in this school community is really, really beautiful. And you're going to be on the beginning end of experiencing that. 
So what we sowed in prayer and tears all those years ago, God has grown a hundredfold now. Like I can't even imagine, I can't believe that it's happened and we're here. We've gone from nine students to probably about 350 this fall. We've gone from seven families to more than 200 families. We've gone from three teachers to nearly 80 people on staff, both full-time and part-time. And what an amazing journey. And you know, every time people ask me, they're like, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Because those early years, literally, I think I worked 80 to 100 hour weeks for the first five years of the school. I mortgaged my house to start the school. I didn't take pay. Like it was, we were always crying and praying. That's all we were doing. Like, are we going to be able to pay the teachers? Are we going to be able to do what we're doing here? You know, are we going to have a place to go? Because this was, you might not know, but this was our first building. We were allowed to have only the back gate entrance and five classrooms, and the whole building was dark, looked scary and sketchy. <laughs> and so when people would come, come to visit the school for admissions, they'd come and they'd see some lady with her hair in a bun and like, you know, sweeping the lunch tables and, you know, a little baby stuck to their, her leg. And they'd be like, excuse me, where's the admissions office? And then all of a sudden I would like kick the baby off, throw the broom down and we'd be like, hello, hi, welcome to the Cambridge school. And they'd be like, you, the lady who was just cleaning the lunch tables and had the baby on your leg, you, you, you're the one who's going to tell us about the school. I mean, it was crazy. I ran the school on my cell phone bill. Like we had teachers who would barter for teaching time because, um, you know, we couldn't afford to pay our Mandarin teacher back then. So she said, I'll teach Mandarin if you watch my you know, 12 month old while I teach. And so we would have this screaming baby for like, you know, an hour and a half while she was teaching. And all these poor teachers were like, what do I do with a screaming baby during this time? I mean, there were crazy stories of those early years. And it took that level of devotion and love and just startup gumption in order to get where we are today. You might not know it walking around the school now. I'm so grateful for all of the staff that we now have because it used to be the one woman crazy show. Um, and I'm so grateful for the amount, the people that we have. But it's been a long journey, and God has been in every step of that journey. And I think people, the question people always ask me is like, was it worth it? Is it worth it? I mean, it's been a lot of sacrifice and a lot of hard and a long obedience in the same direction. And I always have to come back and say, yes. It was worth it. It's been absolutely worth it. It's been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but it's worth it because I love it when I see and experience our students not only doing hard, challenging work, but loving it too. I love that they love to come to school. I have second semester seniors like Beth who don't give up, who were not just checked out. They do their senior thesis and do it with excellence at the end of the year. I've got lots of grammar school students who cry at the end of the year as we go off to summer because they're like, I don't want school to end. I want to stay at Cambridge longer. What do you mean I have to go away for the whole summer and then come back? That does my heart good. And then it's worth it to me when I see our teachers and I look at them and some of them are people who were going to quit the teaching profession because I think most people who go into K-12 education find it to be a pretty beleaguered scene and so they are about to quit the profession but they come here and they find newfound nobility and they found newfound meaning in it and they have the heart of amateurs in the original French sense of the word is to love the thing for itself and so they have this heart of amateurs and I love it and it's worth it when I 
I see how what we do at school buttresses your parenting efforts. We're not trying to create some little parallel universe for your kids to be protected from the big bad world out there. We see ourselves as a greenhouse, a greenhouse where ideal as ideal as we can, ideal water, light, soil, temperature conditions for a time. So with the goal that they might be later planted elsewhere and not wither in the heat. That's what we're trying to do, not just protect them from the big bad world out there, but prepare them to engage thoughtfully um, with that world when they step out. You know, at the end of the day, when I think about what we do, it's worth it to me because I see that um, what we do is really a private education for the public good. A lot of people think, oh, it's just a private school and it's all elitist and whatever. It's like, no, this is an elite education without the elitism that is usually attached to that. It's meant to be excellence with not arrogance, which is elitism, but excellence with humility. We want excellence with humility. And I see that. And I see that the kinds of people that these kids are becoming, that they really are, even though this has been a private education, it is for the public good. Because as they step onto their college campuses, as they go into their workplaces, as they, you know, interact with friends and coworkers and start eventually getting married and having their own families and all of that, that they will have incredible impact and intergenerational, this will have intergenerational impact on them. And even now, even in the present. It's changing the nature of conversations in the car as you drive to and from school. What you talk to with your kids about will be different because of Cambridge. You know, there's a lot of dinner table conversation that is different because of what they're learning. It's not just like, what did you do today? What Was school fun? And yes. You know, what was your favorite part? Recess or lunch? Hopefully that's not the answer. <laughs> I mean, I think for some kids they will like recess and lunch for sure, but hopefully you're, you have other things to talk to them about when they're here. What you're reading, what ideas you talked about, what you're learning, all of those things. And you realize that this is good for society in general because free people, freedom requires virtue. And virtue usually requires some faith um, in most contexts. But that combination of freedom and virtue and faith, those things are all linked together. And our society can only be better. You can only maintain your freedoms if you are virtuous. Because otherwise, without virtue, people have need of too many masters. Someone's got to be cracking that whip on them all the time. And what we want for your kids is for them to grow into people who are self-governing adults, people who are virtuous and know how to handle their freedoms wisely, where it's not just like freedom, I can do whatever I want, but freedom, meaning you are free to live wisely and well in the world. And so that's you know where I get really excited about this. This is what makes it worthwhile. The school is so much more than just me and my children. It is so much more than you and your children, God is doing something humongous here. And um, because all of that, the shaping and forming of a human being, not just to be, you know, good at going to a good college when they're 18, but to be the kinds of people who at 30 and 40 and 50 are the kinds of people that you would want to be working with, the kinds of people you want in your community, the kinds of people you want in your churches that you want to be neighbors with. That's who we are forming through this long process. And the story is not done yet. The story is continuing. And that's where I invite you to be a part of the story. Really roll up your sleeves, get to know the community, get to know the people that are in your 
your children's classes and in the school community. Don't just be like a drop off and then see drop off in September and see you in June. Get involved. You know, learn about classical education. The more you learn about it, all of our parents say, I wish I could go back to school. I love what my kids are learning. I didn't have this and I want it. You can go back to school through your kids. Have great conversations with them. Engage them and help us build this thing because it's really unique. There is nothing else like it in San Diego. And I can say that with great confidence um, at this point. And so it's very niche and it's really beautiful. It's not always easy, but it is so worthwhile. And I think the only reason I remain standing up here is I want to say my three kids are now like my firstborn is gone and graduated as part of the first class. And my other two, one's a senior this year and I have another one that's a sophomore and they're on nearing the end of the process. And I can tell you from watching them and their friends who have graduated, I see such beauty in them. And I really, having lived it, I want that for your kids. It's the only reason I'm still here doing this after like 15 years of really, really hard labor is because I see the beauty of it. And I really want what our kids have got, the older kids have gotten, I want to see that be true of your kids as well. Because I think you will find joy in the the kinds of young adults they become, if so. So I just wanted to share that story with you. We have a great story about how we, how God brought us this facility, and it's an amazing story, but I could talk all night, and I know they're telling me to, like, they're going to bring the shepherd's crook, take me off the stage soon, but there are so many great stories to share about what God has done here, and I hope I get to sit with you and talk with you and share some of those at some point. But welcome to Cambridge. Welcome to this story. Welcome to this great adventure. I hope you love your time here. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening to An Examined Education. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to check out our website, schedule a tour, reach out to the advancement office. We'd love to see you. And we'd love to hear what you have to say about the podcast. So be sure to check us out on your favorite social media platform. Again, that's at An Examined Education. Leave us a comment, rate and review, and we'll see you next time.